Hello world, I'm back with Malcolm Ocean. Hi Malcolm. How's it going? Good, it's great to have you a second time here. Really happy about it. Uh, the first time we had a conversation about conversation and it was great fun. And to, if the other one was kind of meta, then today we're also going to talk about meta something. And um, yeah, I'd love for you um, maybe to say your framing of this idea and then maybe I'll kind of uh, give an expose of how I got to be thinking about something that's similar and that got you interested and that got me interested and got us back together. So how would you right, frame this a, idea? For a deeper dive. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, uh, so yeah, so um, there's this phrase meta protocol, which, um, which I got from Jordan Hall, um, who's sort of a, a, a nebulous colleague of mine in this self-organizing uh, meta project. Um, and the, the basic idea is sort of like, there's, you know, there's a bunch of protocols that you could use for, um, you know, for better communication. And when it comes to digital technology, you know, you have to have protocols like TCP and IP and so forth, or what, what allows the, the computers to talk to each other and know what they're saying, like know even what, you know, if they're sending zeros and ones, it's like, how do you turn those zeros and ones into something else? And they need to like have a pre prearranged protocol in order for that to work very well. Um, when it comes to human culture, there's, even if you had a really good, like a protocol that would work really well for communicating, like you might be able to get a small group of people to use that in a context where that's um, that's kind of like the thing that everybody's doing and wants to do and so forth. But um, but you're never going to be able to get everybody to use it because like doing so would sort of it would require buy-in that you that you don't have and um, and by the time you got that and in order to get that buy-in, well, you need to be communicating in the meantime. And so you can't, you, mm. you need to somehow be communicating right. at least in the meantime, even if you had the perfect protocol for everybody to use, which I, I, as far as I can tell, is not possible to create. But even if it were, you would still somehow need to communicate with people enough to get them to see that it was. And so somehow in the meantime, you'd have to be communicating some other way than this protocol, insofar as the protocol is something that's like a two-way, two-way street. And so... Um, for this reason, I would actually say a lot of communication advice in, in like good communication books, um, like Crucial Conversations or, or even NVC, if you look at it closely, will talk about how you can use their, their method in a, in a way that doesn't require the other person to use it. Um, but in practice, a lot of these methods end up with a kind of, um, uh, they end up with people using them in a way that expects, first of all, expects other people to want to use the same protocol um, and sort of expects the other person to like when you use the protocol that you're using that you think is good, um, expects that to sort of work for other people. So someone will say like, you know, they'll do some nonviolent communication moves and then someone replies like, you know, like stop with your feelings and needs stuff. That's, I don't know, it seems like emotionally manipulative bullshit. And you're like, <laughs> I'm not trying to be emotionally manipulative. I'm trying to communicate nonviolently. Uh, and then you're like, it sounds like you have a need for 
uh, clear communicate. And they're like, shut up. I got out. And so this like, you have to like get out of whatever frame you're in, which is this going meta move. And so the meta protocol is basically talking about an orientation to communicating that takes for granted that we don't have totally shared agreement on how we're even communicating in the first place and that seeks to sort of build that. And like, obviously you're going to start with whatever culture you're starting with. You know, we, we took for granted that we'd be having this call in English today. Um, and part of why we took that for granted was that we, uh, all of our exchanges so far have been English and English. <laughs> so it's a reasonably good assumption. Um, uh, the, you know, but like last night I was at a little local, um, grocery store in the mission and, um, you know, there are people there speaking Spanish cause that's what they speak. And, you know, if you want to talk to those shopkeepers in Spanish, like, and you can speak Spanish, you'll have a great time. Um, and, um, and, but language is only one part of it. There's like, we are constantly co-creating whatever culture we're speaking in. And so the question of whether we're doing that in a way that really works for everybody or in a way that sort of on some level is asserting, no, this is how we're going to do it. But one of the people involved is like, oh, it doesn't really, I don't really feel it. That's not what I want. Like, um, yeah, that's kind of, um, that question is sort of a, a similar question to like, sort of, are we doing the meta protocol? Well, whatever the meta protocol is, mm. um, I can say a lot more about that, but I felt like that kind of got us around to what you had tweeted about that got me excited to talk with you about the meta protocol. So that's, um, uh, I, I found like, felt like I wound my way there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for sure. I mean, what you just said just raises so many kind of questions and comments in my mind. So I'll see how I navigate through it. Um, yeah, since you mentioned the, um, the tweet, which I don't remember verbatim, but I remember that the shared interest arose when we realized, you know, it has something to do with creating a society and a healthy discussion in a healthy society where um, people understand one another better and therefore also giving rise to a type of ordering principle for a society which we haven't experienced yet as a society. So um, basically society so far has kind of been ordered by usually the, uh, some sort of upper echelon or government who is kind of bringing order to society and, mm. um, from, from within, from within society. So somebody from society is kind of creating a tier that is going to be the part of, of society that brings order to society. Um, the problem with that is that a lot of the time this top tier, this government tier or something is, is prone, um, to be corrupt at some point and like see itself as being outside of society somehow, even though they're, we're all humans and so on. Right. Right. Um, I don't have computer science background, but one question that came to mind is you were talking about, uh, protocols that deal with ones and zeros and. Uh, you'll see from the question where I want to maybe suggest taking this whole discussion, but is there anything that equals a question in that world? Because I feel that is something that is uniquely human. And I often wonder the, I often wonder about also the whole world of AI, AGI is, you know, we actually don't have that kind of 
discourse with our digital uh, creations, right? And therefore, we mm -hmm. also, to a large extent, don't really know what they're doing in the black box. Um, so is there anything like that, like a question when it comes to protocols? Um, there's sort of a few ways that I could approach that question. I think like taken literally, it doesn't seem that interesting or relevant. Like there's, you know, trivially speaking, there are messages that computers send to each other that say things like, Hey, please, please tell me this information. Right. That's kind of like a question. Hmm. Um, but like, I think, you know, that, um, that like sometimes a machine sends a request to a, like sends a sort of request to a machine for information and, and so forth. So right. I don't think that's quite what you're asking. Um, no, no. Like, does does do do computers wrestle with the unknown? Right. I no, mean, because what not at present, yeah. as far as I can tell, not not in the way that we do. Um, right. And and that, in fact, does feel like a you know I've been playing around with ChatGPT a bit recently, um, which for anybody watching this in the future, um, this is like <laughs> the week that it came out and uh, became available to people, and so. Um, we've been having a time speculating about what the hell it can and can't do and what, what also is the nature of what it does. Like insofar as it appears to be doing something, what is it doing? Um, mm -hmm. and we basically, a bunch of us concluded this week on Twitter that what chat GPT is doing is essentially confabulation, which is the sort of thing that the left hemisphere does when you let it run wild, like in a split brain patient or someone with a stroke or, um, a couple other conditions. Um, and confabulation is basically saying something that sounds plausible and sort of relevant, but sort of dissociated from reality. And mm -hmm. when you think about it, that's actually what GPT has, chat GPT has been programmed to do. Mm -hmm. Like the whole, the whole point of it is to say something plausible and relevant and, you know, vaguely relevant, but divorced from reality because it is divorced from reality. It, it has no connection. It has no direct connection to reality. It just has a web of associations, um, w which contain a bunch of information about reality. And so sometimes it's confabulations produce true results. You know, if you ask it to do certain kinds of addition or certain, you know, even like long division, if you explain the steps, like it can kind of walk through local associations that produce out sort of algorithmic ish results. Um, which is of course funny because computers can already solve those algorithms directly much quicker. And so right. all we've produced is something that kind of like kind of stumbles its way through, through that. Um, the part where it kind of imitates, um, uh, like imitates speech is very interesting, but the whole thing is like utterance is coming out of me when I say, Oh yeah, I, I, I grasp what you're saying. Like, I'm I'm using the word grasp, which is a, a physical metaphor. Mm -hmm. Um, it, you know, if I talk about like, um, uh, oh, like I, I, un I understand what you're saying. I'm, I'm talking about like, um, the, the origins of the term understand to refer to what it does are much weirder than grasp. Um, in terms of like, I, I don't even want to get into it. There's some, uh, Ian McGilchrist, I think, talks about that. Julian Jaynes talks about that. It has its own hemispheric um, context, and I'm sure Verveke says stuff about it as well. But, like, um, the the very essence of language is sensual. It's, it's plugged into the reality of 
the senses. It's, um, mm -hmm. you know, when I use the word language, the word language is related to the word that to the, to a word that meant tongue. Right. You know, GPT doesn't have a tongue. Right. It doesn't, it doesn't know what language is language. La right. You can feel the way you use your tongue when you <laughs> say language. Now, not all languages say tongue that way, but like the, the, there's an in inherent embodied onomatopoeic quality to language. Um, anyway, so, uh, I don't know how relevant all of that is to the meta protocol, but it is something that's on my mind. So I thought I was sort of, uh, share yeah, it. I mean, yeah. like G GPT sort of can't properly go meta. It can do some Iocane powder shit, which is to say, or sorry, it can do some like um, some Vizzini shit, like from the Princess Bride, mm -hmm. where, you know, it's like it, it can go back and forth, you know. So clearly right. I can't drink the glass in front of you, but you are a, um, you know, uh, uh, a thief or a liar. Person. So you might yeah. have put, yeah. you know, a smart person. You know, so he goes back and forth, you know, so I clearly can't drink the glass in front of me. Like you can watch GPT go back and forth about stuff like that if you want. I mean, not as clever as Vizzini yet, but it'll get there. But it's still like, it's still like, is not going meta to the actual situation. Um, and even if it is, it's only doing that by having sort of seen somebody else follow the same structure. It's not actually having its mind blown because it's not learning anything. Right, right. Yeah, so exactly. So when I'm asking if, you know, you could ask... Um, and you can ask GPT uh, questions, you know, but that that's exactly uh, it. I don't I don't think that um, actually, you know, it would be fun actually asking GPT three about uh, concepts. Not because I think GPT is an AGI and you're going to learn about the meaning of love for something like that, but actually through repeated um, questions, you might get something about our cultural conception of something that you ask GPT, something that actually appears in a lot of texts and whatever it's fed. Um, but anyway, the direction I was going with it is, of course, you know, if there's any kind of meta protocol between us, my intuition tells me that it's it would be something like me asking you what you think a concept is, a concept which is then, you know, equated with a word in English so that you and I may begin to form uh, a mutually intelligible um, discussion. And so when I say something uh, abstract, you would understand what I'm saying and you could tell me yes or no about it. And I would know that you understand my meaning. And when you say no, it's because you understand my meaning and you mm. know that this isn't your meaning and not say no, um, Anyway, you get the idea. Like you said in the beginning, the, 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 the problems begin when we realize we don't have the same concepts and, um, something like, you know, an emotion, like, um, whatever, like I'm very happy today. I could be informed by the closest concept in Hebrew, which might which might uh, muddy the waters when it comes to me kind of communicating in English or something like that. Mm -hmm. And then you would say, no, that's not happy. And I'm like, whatever. Yeah. Well, the, there would be a, a breakdown of communication of some sort. So I'm yeah. thinking whatever the meta protocol 
is concerned with is it's probably that right like almost a preliminary stage of of setting the record straight about what we're talking about when we utter these words yeah so as i understand it there is no single uh, there's you, you any attempt to sort of pin down what the meta protocol is and say, oh, it would start with this or it would do that. That's getting back into protocol territory again. Um, because you, at that point, you're again kind of looking at uh, like, so So it's it's not to say that you, so I, I, I want to say a yes and a no to two levels of what you said, which is related to what you said. Um, so the yes is to like necessarily, there's a clarification of, concepts and a recognition that the words that we're each using are coming from a uh, are coming from a context and that we have different contexts all of us do you know even you know my sisters and I who grew up in the same household we you know we have different contexts just because we grew up in different years and with different peers and with you know our parents slightly different ages at relative to our ages and like with each other as opposed to ourselves right like you mm -hmm. know uh, like neither of them can say my sisters because there's two of them and they don't have sisters. They have a sister right. and a brother each. Right. So like, even though we sort of were in the same context, we still don't have the same context. And that's actually getting away from us even more now um, in a world where there's no news. I mean, there are newspapers, but people aren't reading newspapers. They're, re they're reading curated Twitter feeds and YouTube feeds and TikTok feeds and whatever. And, um, and so, we're all digesting a different take on the world. And this is a, this is a very weird situation. Like early on in COVID, like um, I was in a household with people and some of us were really stressed about COVID like quite early because we were on Twitter and we were sort of seeing it arise. And the other people in the household were like barely thinking about it at all. And it was this weird reality clash. Mm -hmm. It was like, it was like some of us in the house knew there was a war going on that might sort of hit our shores and some people didn't. And, it was sort of like, how do we prepare when there's not even a shared reality of what we're preparing for or that there is something to prepare for? And But you couldn't just say, oh, there's a thing because like, cause the communication doesn't – it's not just a fact. It's like a whole bunch of context and watching how it's mm. evolved over the past weeks. Like, And bringing somebody up to, to speed on it is quite difficult um, without sort of introducing them to a bunch of that reality. But you can. You ultimately can. So, so that's the level on which I want to say, like, absolutely yes to what you were saying. Like, necessarily, this clarification of context um, is uh, is very, very relevant and necessary, and and a very core piece of the meta protocol. And it doesn't sort of it doesn't come first because nothing comes first. There is no simple one way to do it. Like, if if the thing that you're navigating right now is that you don't even know what languages you might have in common. Well, like that's the thing you're trying to figure out. Like if you meet someone yeah. on the street and they're like, you know, they don't seem to speak any of the languages, you know, but you're sort of trying to figure it out. And you're like, do you speak? Uh, can we make shapes right. with their hands? Like, <laughs> I don't know sign language, but maybe I can, you know, we can gesture at some stuff like, and, and so it's like, then that, that's the level that you're at. Um, but, but also like, there, there is a question about like whether to first go into clarif clarifying those concepts or whether to sort of do that when some sort of difficulty with your concepts arises. And there's, there's no, there's no one, one right answer to that. You, you are in every moment constantly using your best sense making for how that's going to work.
and their best sense making. Like the two of you together are mm. sort of ongoingly negotiated that. Yeah. Yeah. Or well, I, I, I think that, um, you know, I, I think for me, at least it's easier to stick to the instances where we both do speak English and so on, because obviously you go abroad and, you know, you do the bare minimum that you need to, to get your groceries and whatnot. And usually people get by with, um, Oh, totally. Signals. Yeah. The, the, yeah. the, um, the, the language thing is sort of a, a helpful example of a dimension of the meta protocol, but it's not, it's not usually where the, where an actual bottleneck is because it's very visible. It's like, Oh, we're not understanding each other because we don't speak the same language. It's a very right, obvious. Right. Yeah, um, yeah. 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 So it's exactly like people, people don't usually get stuck on that one. It's like you sort of, it, it, you can immediately recognize it and then you can do whatever you do with it. You get a translator, you get a translation app, you use gestures or you give up. Right. Like, but it's like pretty clear. Um, yeah. Whereas like yeah. if you and if you and your spouse have a misunderstanding of what a weekend means <laughs> or what listening means, you're not listening. To yeah. Me. Well, right. I, I'm, I'm doing the thing that I call listening. Yeah. Uh, is it that you don't think I'm doing that or that you're calling something else listening and saying I'm not doing that? Or you're actually just not sure, but whatever I'm doing, it doesn't feel like you are experiencing getting listened to and you actually don't even have an opinion about what you think I'm doing. You just know you don't feel listened to. Like, uh, right? And and how do we have that conversation while it's unclear what conversation is, which kind of gets back a little bit to our, our first episode. Um, around like, what is the nature of conversation? How does one do it? Well, um, yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. So exactly. And what you said, um, uh, yeah, it, it relates, it ties back to the, you know, when you mentioned about uh, computer protocols, when there's no dealing with uncertainty and here, I think what kind of comes to my mind is the fact that, um, like you say, it's so, obvious when people don't speak the same language that, you know, you're going to do just what you must do, right? Which is probably get the groceries in a foreign country or something like that. And then you both know that you're not really going to work with one another and becoming best friends so that you would understand each other and teach each other the language. People this fall in love with people who don't share a shared language. Oh, yeah, yeah, I yeah, find yeah. that very weird because I'm a very yeah. verbal person. I want to, I want to love <laughs> That's with my interesting. words, but like people will go dancing in a foreign country, have a really great embodied connection, which I can imagine, and then proceed to get married to that person. And that That's blows amazing. my mind. I don't know. I, I can't imagine that working very well, especially now compared to like, I don't know, 50 years ago when maybe roles were more well-defined or something, 80, hundred, I don't know, but people have done it. It's very weird. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's true. That's, that's a yeah. great exception. Um, yeah. but I, I think, I think that, um, part of the issue is as you, as you say, like at, at the heart of the issue of our society not managing to get to a very advanced point when it comes to that it's because it does kind of function you know things are getting done people are surviving and totally. i think and that's and yeah and getting to deeper layers of trust and communication has compounding returns but only if it actually works and a lot of the attempts people make to do it don't work very well or they're not very robust like they sort of they, they drive a little bit of the way up the hill and then kind of roll back down. And it's like, there's a, there's a, there's a whole 
other world over here if you can get to it as far as i can tell and as right. far as various other people can tell and you know this is um this is part of what i've been doing with the meta protocol and in terms of working on emerging what what you could call a collaborative culture and this is related to i, I pulled up that thread that prompted me to message you where you said uh, i have a very clear vision for a modern golden age mm -hmm. and um uh yeah so it's like part of what you were talking about there i think too was this like this other attractor that you can get to and some people have called this game b and um robert gilman calls it a, the planetary era and um you know you, you can point at it as integral tier two like there's a lot of people who've been kind of converging on this right. kind of idea yeah, the kind of era of like world peace and the world government, whatever. Um, yeah, for me, you know, it's exactly that. It's why I try to create the discussion around living well and, and well-being and health, because I think that there is not a positive definition so much, or at least it's not widespread or not widely talked about of what a healthy society is. And so we're kind of fine because it works for now. This society that we have, it achieves amazing things, certainly technologically, but you know, we, we could do so much better when it comes to actually um, experiencing the world as just a wonderful place to be in, in consciousness or doing that. And we want to get to that point. And in order to get to that point, I think we need to understand what it is we're talking about when we're saying these words, because if we don't, then we're um, not just missing an opportunity for us, each of us individually, not to run into intangible walls all the time because we have misconceptions and actually, actually a few concepts of ours actually suffer from um, internal um, conflicts and contradictions, but it's also, we're also prone to being led by rhetoricians who are, know how to rile us up and make us, um, you know, go after them or something like that, which is also something that we want to eventually, and I'm not talking in the, even let's say the next thousand years, although I would be happy to be wrong, but eventually we want to make sure that there are, there isn't more than one tier at least in terms of understanding, there's still going to be bureaucrats who like carry out orders and people maybe who are, uh, do the executive function in society and sort of like that. But we want to empower as many individuals to be free thinkers and in, or, and really critical thinkers and people who understand concepts. And I am a believer in the fact that a concept can be true or not true. And I can elaborate on that. I think I have in other mm -hmm. places. Um, yeah. Well, and, and I w I'd be interested in kind of, I don't know, flipping the script a little bit and like me kind mm -hmm. of interviewing you a little bit about this thread and what, you know, what it means for a concept yeah. to be true and good. Um, and um, yeah, I'm, I'm interested in sure. kind of diving into that. Um, yeah. So um, I'm just kind of, uh, I, I think it would be worth actually just even kind of reading out the few sentences of your thread because I was just going to mm -hmm. give, give people some context of how we got here. Um, sure. Um, so maybe I'll just kind of summarize, summarize it by picking out little sentences. Um, basically, you were speaking about a clear, clear vision for a modern golden age that you shared on 
um, uh, Zhuang's Modern Golden Age podcast and talking about an anarchic society where everyone acts with a shared understanding of li what living well means. And he said, so far, our society hasn't come up with a game we can all win at the same time. But there is one. There's a game in which winning equals having full alignment between individuals' understandings of what it means to do good and well. And it can happen. All it takes, and this is a tall order, <laughs> uh, is a careful dialogue between people aimed at reaching a mutual agreement about some foundational concepts. Um, there's just one rule. A concept can be called true only if it is good for all rather than for some or for one. Um, and so... So there's a, a kind of self-ordering principle. Um, and then a kind of uh, dialectic that allows the emergence, I guess, of the, like, finding these concepts that are increasingly true, um, something like that. Those la The last bits yeah. of my words, but sort of attempting to kind of sum it up. Yeah, increasingly true is right because what is true for a time uh, is probably going, it inevitably will be superseded by something even truer, I think. Um, yeah, the idea is that uh, we're not going to, we, we're going to have a, a different kind of ordering principle for a society which is at the individual level and not have somebody arrange arrange marbles in a, in a stable looking pattern on the rug or something like that, um, because it will need maintenance. And there are a few things. And usually, you know, usually the, the example would be like bee colony or ant colonies or beehives where the order comes not from the top, but a sort of just everybody pulls their own weight and doing the thing and there's a self-ordering uh principle at work right and, and with the with the mm -hmm. ant the ant colony or the beehive like the the queen in either of those um has a different role like there's an asymmetric role um that that particular organism has within the superorganism um but but that role is not bossing everybody around right. it's not executive um, yeah they're, they are figuring out together what mm -hmm. things are. And yeah. even within, um, like within the human body, there is a sense in which you got an executive part up here. Mm -hmm. um, but there's a really strong kind of all in this together quality to the whole thing where it's like, if I don't feed myself properly, then my hands suffer and my head suffers. And I need both my head and my hands to feed myself. I mean, I guess if I lost my hands, I might be able to feed myself like with my feet or something like that. But like, <laughs> um, it, you know, but like, you know, when the, when the hands, when, when the feet walk to the kitchen and the hands grab the food and put it in the mouth and the mouth chews it and it goes down, the sort of like, it, it spreads out to the whole. And even though part of it's doing the coordinating and part of it's doing the physical enacting, it's sort of all one whole. Um, yeah. And there's, there's an interesting um, theory about cancer, which uh, makes a lot of sense to me. I'm not a doctor, not in a position to say this is the right one or whatever, um, but it's called the atavistic theory of, of cancer. And the framing is that 
um, it, on some very ancient level in our cells, because they are still cells and they evolved from unicellular creatures, there is in every cell still some features of a single cell, even though it's part of this larger organism. And so um, I, I, can't for, I can't remember the, the name of the scientist who kind of um, made it accessible for me, but the idea is that under stress, the the theory is that a cell will uh will turn on an atavistic feature which oh, is to which is to uh multiply as much as possible because it's also been shown that um a bacterium a single cell out of a bacteria um is going to actually break its dna along known um, points along along the, the DNA chain at points which are actually likely to recombine through chance with other fragments and to create um, mutations. So imagine that you go, you become, uh, you are stressed out by something and you don't think you can survive necessarily. So the next best thing for you as a, as a unicellular creature is to break your DNA and, and just leave the tiniest of chances that something is going to actually recombine and still be mm. some sort of a functioning creature. So this is a very, very ancient kind of mechanism which supposedly goes into um, play when uh, a cell feels threatened and that can happen within an organism and then in the view of the larger organism here is a rogue cell which you know hmm. is then is then doing its own thing and is not attacked so it's also interesting because we have an immune system but the immune system is not attacking that thing because it still it still has all the features that identified as um you know part of of team al <laughs> but it itself does it doesn't play by the rules right. it doesn't anymore. conceive so, of itself as part of that larger team yeah yeah, yeah. so yeah um yeah this so is, that's this is, um mm -hmm. if you want to dive deeper into more of this stuff um you might check out um michael levin's work um which is uh very related to all of this and he's been investigating uh frog skin cells and found, I don't know how, I think, I think this is his work. Maybe he's just reporting on it, but um, somebody at least that he talks about found that if you take skin cells from a frog and you kind of like scrape them off the frog and just put them in on a Petri dish or something, um, they'll do their own thing. And they become a kind of organism that doesn't mm. have the ability to uh, reproduce in a sexual sense, obviously, because it doesn't, doesn't have the, uh, mm -hmm. well, uh, it doesn't have genitals and it also doesn't have like the means to sort of solve that. And it also can't eat in the sense of like ingest food, digest, etc. but it can survive and it can move around actually a little bit, I think. And it can, um, it can pick up other dead skin cells and sort of incorporate them into the living skin cell guy that's kind of like going around. <laughs> and basically what he's saying is like, what keeps the skin cells being skin cells and not being that creature is that they're constrained locally by the signals that they're getting from the rest of the body that say, Hey, you want to be, um, you, you're, you're being the skin. 
be skin. You, you got to mm -hmm. be skin, be skin. Mm. Um, but those cells without getting those messages constantly are like, we're not skin. We're this little buddy who like goes around. Uh -huh. Um, <laughs> and the, the way that they interpreted this in, like, I listened to him, I think it was a conversation between he and John Bervakey. Um, the way that they interpreted this was something like the, uh, the skin cells would sort of prefer to be doing that rather than prefer to be part of the, um, part of the frog. Um, but sort of they're kept in line by the frog. I'm not sure that that's actually quite the right way to think about it. Like it, it's, it might be, but like, I, I think that's worth a lot of questioning because it seems to me that in general, like if you take a person, one of the main differences between a person, uh, like a, a person in a society or what would it, a person in a group, let's say, versus a cell mm -hmm. in an organism, right? So think of a person in a company, a person can leave and go to another company, mm -hmm. which means that if the company doesn't treat them well, um, whether that's like, doesn't give them interesting work to do or uh, abuses, you know, yells at them or, um, just like the office is messy and gross, what, whatever it is, if the person doesn't like their experience of being at the company, they can like vote with their feet and go somewhere else. Mm -hmm. And if another company can offer a really amazing place to work for whatever reason, then it starts being an attractor for other people to want to, to join it. And so. Um, and someone can also just sort of like strike out on their own and sort of be a solo economic agent. Like I make the accomplice app and it helps people achieve their goals and they pay me money and I send them the app. Like it's sort of like, you know, I'm sort of a one unit economic engine, um, mm -hmm. like that, um, that of course, you know, contracts out running the app to Heroku and contracts out, you know, the database to someone else, there's various little like, um, other economic flows. Um, but in a sense, I'm kind of one, one unit as a team. And so, um, but, but the idea that, that I have here is that like people, people want to work for, or, or in people want to participate in larger than single human groups, whether those yes. that's a team or a family or a community that support their, their flourishing. Right. And so, and support their flourishing maximally much. And so the skin cells, you know, if they are on their own relative to being on a frog, they're going to do, do that. But if they're on a frog, they're going to do that. And I, I mean, not being a skin cell myself, well, no, not knowing enough about <laughs> skin cells. I, I can't say what they like actually want. Um, but it does seem to me that in a very important sense, they are probably content being skin cells. Like, I don't think they're straining, wishing they were something else. It's like, no, in context, that's what they like being. They like, in fact, like that in context, in a different context where they're not getting these messages saying, Hey, be skin cells. They're like, well, I guess I'll be this then. But like, it's that, that's not what they prefer. It's all contextual. There is no contextless preference. If you yeah. see what I mean, that's kind of my thinking about it. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, it's, it's, it makes perfect sense. I think this exactly highlights, um, the kind of mental jump that we have to do as a species. And this is why I emphasize living well so much because it's a, it's a qualified way of living. It's not just living, um, which is what I think cells do. And, you know, presumably the, the, the single cells in a, 
in a multicellular organism are there because that's their way of survival and that's how they do and that's how they kind of do the evolution thing where where they keep going in a sense it's the dna in them that keeps going even though they don't play the role of a sex cell um but for us and you know i can have my theory about why this is happening but we do have a concept of the relation of the good and because of that we have um the word well too and it qualifies our life and we as it shows again and again are not happy with just living oh you know they will tell you that is like be a good stoic or whatever just um oh I, i'm breathing today so thank god you know everything is okay i have nothing okay very nice but this is not how people live their life they want to live well and it has to do with a, a process not a set of things that you can possess but most of western culture at least predominantly conceives of the good life as having a certain set of really nice things instead of it being a process so that's what people aim for you know have mm. have this set of of nice things and the the big problem is not even that you know it it would be great as jim carrey said if everybody got to be rich so that they would find out that it's not the answer right um like that alone could be okay but the the really harmful part is that a culture that really sends people into this arena is really sending them out to fight it out with other people because we're all fighting for this set of nice things and you know once we see yeah, people yeah it's a kind of it, it's a relative mm-hmm. Relative status game. Exactly. So, like, exactly. Yeah. It's, it's, Whereas you're exactly. pointing at like, what's a kind of game that we can all win? And I guess right. what, because what you're, you're saying you're, here you're, is like, mm-hmm. that game needs to be something other than, um, other than a positional status game in order for everybody to be able to win it. And, and what you're saying is everyone can win at the game of living well. Uh, absolutely. Together. And we can see, absolutely. mutually support each other to, to win even more at that game. Absolutely, because it can be framed in a way, and this is something that I mentioned in the thread you just quoted, um, where we can predicate something as being good, as in beneficial for living well, only if it is when it is applied toward me by other people, it helps me. And also when I applied, it helps other people. So break down the barrier where there's a question of whether what I'm doing is good for me and not for you. This mm. is how you build a super organism, right? You align our concept of well-being so that there's this trust between you and me that if I'm telling you I'm, I'm doing this, because it's good you understand it's it's that good it's not the good that's going to cost you something which is well, what but, of, but that, often that requires that today. requires me to know that you actually know what's going on for me like yes um, like yes. I, I think a lot of times people say you know oh this this will be good for you right and like they think that but like correct like I, it does seem to me that it is really important to kind of you know, when you talk about alignment here, the first part I think is even just learning to listen because mm-hmm. if 
like each person needs to be able to really listen to what seems to be good for them to them. Mm -hmm. And, um, and so, uh, and so that having that capability means that if you try to tell me something like, Oh, this will be good for you. And I'm like, "Mm, I don't, mm, I don't, doesn't feel like that to me. And it might be that like, what's going on is like, um, you know, that we're, that we are actually not a fit as a particular kind of super organism. Mm-hmm. Um, like I had a relationship ending, um, after a lot of serious striving, um, last spring. And, um, when I, I talked to a friend about it and he's like, he's like, I'm really discouraged to hear that, you know, um, that your marriage is ending. Cause I, I sort of thought with enough good communication, you could, mm. you could make any relationship work. And I was like, yeah, maybe, but like, how, how good at communicating would you and I need to be, uh, to be happily married? Like he and I are both essentially <laughs> straight men. And he was sort of like, ah, I see your point, <laughs> right? It's like the only, the, the only thing commun- good communication could achieve for us is the recognition that we don't want to be married to each other. Like that's, mm-hmm. the, that's, that's <laughs> like communication cannot solve the fact that we don't want to be married to each other. It's a, that doesn't not what yeah. it does. Um, yeah. And so there's, I guess like, yeah. How do you think about like, so if, um, like what, what happens if people, what happens if two people have some version of some concepts and one of them thinks it's good for everybody and another, mm-hmm. another person doesn't. And, you know, and, and there's, and suppose they've, they've tried at least a little bit to figure out like, you know, are we just talking about completely different concepts or not? Um, what, what would you say would be kind of the next, an, a next step they might take? There's no, there's never the next step, but like, what would you recommend to people who were like, okay, we're trying to do this careful dialogue. And I, I found this thing that seems like a foundational truth to me and a, and a, you know, it's good for all. And my, my friend is saying, no, that's, that's not good for me and not good for my dog. Like kind of. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Well, I I think that, um, I don't want to say fractal anymore because people who know math better than I do said that's not really fractal, but we're still kind of, there are different layers and they are, um, it does seem to be a kind of recurring pattern that runs Mm -hmm. and, and there's going to be self similarity. Uh, what I'm referring to is the fact that there are going to be things which we agree are, you know, you can say, okay, if I asked you, you know, are humans very much, uh, like one another, you know, you would correctly probably ask me, it's like, on, on what level? It's like, right, right. do we all have, Com- you know, the same to set? What? Right. The same set of limbs. Um, yeah, absolutely. It's like we, we I mean, are... except the people who don't. Yeah, but I mean, of course. But, but yeah. <laughs> the, yeah. The general, the general design, um, you know, do we have um, hairy foreheads? No, generally no. And, you know, you have all these things that makes human look very much alike. And then there are, of course, you know, the, the, the differences at, indiv- at the individual level of like, 
dude, I don't like coding. You can't tell me that, you know, it would be good for us if you learn to code and, oh, imagine the things we could achieve, right? So mm -hmm. I completely recognize that, but I think there's still a lot of work for us to do as a species on, on the parts where we are alike, like broadly and widely. And of course, when it gets down to like, me talking to you and the level of intimacy and the level of familiarity behind uh, between us grows, then we are going to get to know one another's preferences that are still very important on the individual level. And there, there would be more um, figuring out to do and seeing us like, well, here, give me the, the set of skills that you have and the things that you like doing. We're going to actually be able to you know, put you in a unit with other people that do this important thing for society. So it's not about coercion, like me telling Malcolm is like, well, we just need a, a dancer, like it or not, this is what you're going to do. This is a bad example because I know you like dancing, but uh, Maybe you're saying, like, we need someone <laughs> to dance in this particular way. So you have to dance. That yes, particular dance. yes, like, exactly. Yes. Um, yeah. So, um, the idea is that I think we can still do a lot of work on shared concepts. And when I say well-being, I'm talking about a concept that's true for all of us on a, on a broad level, because, um, again, we're not like one another in certain aspects, but we all need to eat, to eat, okay? And to live well, we actually have to eat well in a way that sustains us, not just sustains us, um, for 50 years and we're going to become obese because that's going to affect our mood and our function and all that. We need to eat well. We need to stay hydrated. These are simple things mm -hmm. we can agree on, right? And these are simple, right. simple. Uh, there are some things which are going to be intermediate in terms of figuring out, but they're also, they will turn out to be universal things, for example. Oh, okay. I, like I think being I, part of a society. I think I'm, I'm making a connection here between something that I've been thinking of sometimes in terms of um, perceptual control theory, which is, um, so like perceptual control theory is this model that um, our um, cognition and action and perception and so forth are all made up of kind of hierarchical networks of control systems, which are, uh, as my friend Romeo put it, is a flock of thermostats. Um, and, uh, and the idea is that you have kind of a big kind of network of different layers of things. And the, um, um, and so the network has like a, a, sort of top-down structure from um, the uh, like kind of high-level system principles to like ways that you want to live to like specific routines that you have mm. all the way down through just like the way that I move my hand right now. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like if I, if I pick up this glass, like I don't need to know how much is in it because I'm just like, I'm just raising it to my lips, however much force that takes. Um, and... So there's all those layers, but then there's also these kind of, there's these layers on the side. It's like, what causes me to pick up the glass, right? It's like, maybe mm -hmm. I want to pause in the conversation or maybe I'm thirsty. And if I'm thirsty, is it that my mouth is dry or is it that my, um, my blood stream doesn't have enough, you know, like my sort of, my whole system doesn't have enough water in it. 
And on the level of mouth is dry, system doesn't have enough water in it. You know, things like I'm hungry, things like I'm hot, I'm cold, I'm, uh, um, uh, I'm, I've got too much sun on my skin. Like there's, there's all sorts of kinds of what are, are called errors that, um, a being can have like all sorts of kinds of intrinsic reference levels that mm -hmm. go into reorganizing the perceptual system in order to sort of satisfy all of them. And, um, it seems like the number of intrinsic reference levels we have, as far as I can tell from what I've read, um, not from PCT. I haven't actually seen any canonical PCT source on how many intrinsic reference levels that, th that they think there are. Um, there may be mm. one, I just haven't looked at um, that closely. But but it seems to me that there's actually probably at least in the hundreds. Like, there's sort of a bunch of obvious ones. But in the same way that, like, um, you can say, okay, how many senses do we have? And people will be like, five. But, like, it turns out that, like, there's also, like, proprioception. Like, I can close my eyes and move my fingers about an inch apart. And they're, well, they're actually a little bit too close. But, like, mm -hmm. the point, the fact that I can move them at all is You can feed yourself like, with I, your eyes closed. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, and that's not just the sensation of touch. There's the sensation of hunger. Like, that is a sense. Um, mm -hmm. So there's, you know, there's a bunch of different... Um, uh, there's a bunch of different senses beyond those five, and there's a bunch of really subtle um, intrinsic reference levels that people have. Like, you know, pregnant women will get cravings for very specific foods, and part of what's going on there probably is that the 3D printer that is their womb is, like, busy, like, is, like, requesting a bunch of magnesium to, like, build the mm. whatever takes a bunch of magnesium. Uh, build is the wrong... Yeah. I'm, I'm being a little bit weird with my metaphors here, but the point is they're, <laughs> like, you know... The womb is like, we need selenium. <laughs> Eat this particular weird fish. And right. the, you know, and that what well, that's a sign that the, you know, even though we don't usually have concept, con conscious access to it, we kind of we have these subtle intrinsic reference levels for particular amino acids or for particular um uh um like uh, minerals or mm -hmm. um other you know, uh, molecules and stuff like that. And so, um, and so, you know, we probably have dozens of those. We have, uh, you know, the difference between I'm too hot, like the air is too hot or like my skin is getting burnt by radiation. Like those are two different, so there's like a lot of different intrinsic reference levels. Mm -hmm. I said more than I need to about that. But the reason I did is because I think it, it provides one lens for pointing at the thing that you're talking about, which is like, what does living well mean? It's like living in a way that, has all of these intrinsic levels really flourishing because for a lot of yeah. people, a, a lot of the time, various of them aren't flourishing. They don't have as much social well-being as they want. Like anybody yes. who's alive at all is managing to get enough H2O. That H2O might have parasites in it, but like if you're not getting H2O at all, you die. But mm -hmm. there are lots of other exactly intrinsic reference levels that you can be failing to meet for a long time and not die. Um, mm -hmm. But you're just you're constantly uh, uh, like living a life that's sort of bent up in a kind of way around this. And so it seems like, yeah, one lens on the, the puzzle as you're pointing out is like, how do we get more clear about, and this is maybe a concept. This is maybe what you're pointing at as concept, like, um, uh, like foundational concepts or something like that, where it's like, um, we don't have to get, um, 
it's not about like all concepts, like the concept of this as a jar is like not one of those concepts, right? So you're not talking about concepts in general, but you're talking about maybe, it seems to me, you're talking about these intrinsic reference levels that there is no inherent reason why all of mine can't be satisfied and all of yours and all of somebody else's. Absolutely. Now, that makes an assumption that um, that some people I think disagree with, um, but seems to me to be very plausible. In fact, this is my this is my assumption as well. To be clear, um, and mm -hmm. so I just want to spell out the assumption that I think you're making here um, in in terms that I've already been thinking about it in, which is really cool. Which is, um, and then I got to go in a couple of minutes. Um, so the uh, the assumption is basically that people do not have an intrinsic need or, a, or an intrinsic uh, reference level for positional status. Mm -hmm. Some people think that humans do. I don't think that that's true myself, but the jury is actually out on this as far as I know. Like, um, like further study would be needed to sort of make sure that it's, it's not the case that there's an inherent need to be at the top of the status ladder that simply can't be satisfied for everybody. Okay, it seems so, to me that well, yeah. I, I want to name my alternative. Mm -hmm. like, the re, like the reason why I think it seems true that people seem to have a need to be on top of the status ladder, because you can watch people climb, you know, um, so there's something driving that. It seems to me that what's going on is people do have an intrinsic need for something like dignity or like respect um, or like esteem in the eyes of others or those kinds of things. Um, that aren't, and, and that in our current way of doing status and, and, uh, dignity is only a thing you can get if you're not at the bottom. Like you can only get enough of that if you have risen above others. But in fact, we could have a society where everybody had dignity and respect, no matter sort of how much prestige they had or how much um, kind of how uh, impressive they were on various other levels. They were yeah. all sort of all had dignity. And therefore in that sense, like everybody's need for dignity could be satisfied. And if that's the current thing, mostly driving the status stuff, just in the current situation where the only way to get dignity is via status, then that's, that's sort of, that's my model of what might be going on there. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I'll share. I'll share my uh, kind of reasoning behind why people strive for power and status, and then uh, have a kind of a, maybe a closing thought about, you know, what we should really focus on as a society going going forward. So my theory is that people go to um, because qualifying is hard and it takes critical and uh, logical thinking and it takes some work and it's not part of our education system today and it's never been in the in the past almost uh, maybe for except for a few instances um, and so what you do when you can't qualify something like uh, living well which is to say you have a have a, have a true definition of it um, what you do is you either rank or quantify and that's that's what people mm. go to and then it's if you have something that is quantifiable and you have more of it, then you can also be ranked and then it goes into good, better, best. And people really, they have no idea what it means to be good um, in terms of quality. 
but if they have more than the other person, then they, at least they must be doing better than the other person. So right, that's, right. That's a kind of consolation. It becomes so a kind of shitty proxy. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's it's a shitty lazy proxy. Um, so so that's my uh, that's my theory about that. And then you know when we're talking about these different um, um, these different levels of our needs, and yes, I completely agree that it goes down to vitamin levels and so on. And we can forget about these things, and you know we can survive without them, but maybe not thrive without them. I think. The next thing that we want to look at as a society or as individuals, as you and I and anybody listening here, is reintegrating society. Because, look, it's not down at the, at the vitamin level, which is something that you should be in charge of, although, you know, it's the fact that we work out of offices is going to limit our vitamin D intake, for example. So there's definitely a lot to do in that sense. But... I think, and I don't know what the theory about this is, but the Western world, let's see, the world that's kind of overachieving and developing technology and also the world that's gone into Africa and exploited it for its no less people, you know, and used it as, as slaves and so on, that kind of world that is so focused on, on this type of progress and is very much um, individualistic um, in, in ethos. It's It's been going away from a notion of community for a very, very long time, and we are completely happy with a relativistic approach where it's like, oh, it's absolutely fine that Ayal and Malcolm are, having, are going to have two completely different conceptions of what is the good life, because then it's kind of like, it makes it completely okay to agree and disagree to agree to disagree about something and say, "Well, you know, man, I just need a fucking Lambo to to live well," and you can't say shit about it. You know, I just need my Lamborghini, and to, if I need my Lamborghini, I'm going to enslave a few people going there. You know, and we need to do away with this thinking. It's 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 the it's the culture and the society that we're missing right now, and this is one of the universal things this is not the nitty-gritty details and yeah that's what we need to get there's a kind of there's there's something beyond relativism that's sort of like people want things ultimately only you are the like you are the ultimate arbiter of what in fact you want in an important sense like if i Mm -hmm. tell you yeah 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 this is what you want and you're like ah it doesn't feel right then it doesn't feel right okay um, right. But, and, and if you tell you, this is what I want, but it doesn't feel right. Well, it doesn't feel right. Um, and like, ultimately that has to check out in your own body mind. Like you have to actually experience the satisfaction yeah. and, um, people can be confused about what they want. And so somebody who thinks they need a Lambo or whatever it is, um, like might be able to discover that in fact, they, you know, the Lambo is like a proxy for status, which is proxy for dignity, which is like, they're sort of, they're doing some, you know, whatever thing. And they do need a car. And in fact, they love the experience of driving a really smooth car. And that's actually a thing that they would love to have in their life. Um, But like, they could come to a place of sort of being like, yeah, and like, I don't want to like enslave other people for that or whatever. Exactly, Um, exactly. And, and, and like, you know, 
they're not the ones who get, you know, nobody gets to say what's right for anybody else. And therefore also they can't say, well, it's right for you to be enslaved. Like, no, like, um, and so there's like a collective participation in um, finding more and more win-wins for each other, which is how we win at creating the win-win game. Uh, yeah, I got to go. So let's wrap there. All right. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, absolutely. I'll just say that, yeah, it's, it's the thinking that is going to lead them where I do think that it's universally true that if you connect the dots and you see that you're living in a world which bases its society is based on, um, competition, you're going to see every time that chasing that Lambo is not going to land you in a place that's actually, um, good. Yeah, man. Well, thank you so much for coming on again. It's been a pleasure just like last time. Is there anything uh, that you want to add in terms of people looking up for you or I just copy the thing I put last? I, I'm, I think it's probably, probably fine. Um, <laughs> so, yeah. All right, man. Uh, yeah, till next time. All right, take care.